Okay, so hopefully you remember what Sam read earlier, this uh, account in Matthew of the two Marys. Uh, there was a more Marys than that, actually, but two of them anyway were in the area, uh, and uh, uh, they get this um, confrontation of something they didn't expect. Um, and so in the account, we find um, that it was the day after Shabbat, which is uh, the, kind of the Jewish day of rest, um, and apparently it's observed uh, a few minutes before sunset uh, on Friday evening, um, and it goes on to the first three stars when they appear in the sky on a Saturday. I quite like that. Isn't that a different way of orientating yourself towards uh, sunset and stars? Uh, I make no apologies for the noise that goes on. Uh, it just means that they're having fun at church. Um, and so there's this Shabbat that Jesus rises afterwards. And in Genesis, in the account in Genesis, Moses tells us that God created the world in these six days. And it tells us very deliberately that on the seventh day, he rested. Everyone say rested. It's important for us. Um, and when um, the Israelites were rescued out of Egypt, there was this very clear uh, instruction to them. He said, you know what? You get to work six days but on the seventh day, you rest. Everyone say rest. So there was a pattern. Six days, you can work. And on the seventh, you need to rest. They were to work through, sort of Sunday through to Friday. But on Friday evening, when the sun set, they were to stop and take a moment. And it was this moment of Shabbat, this moment of rest, relax, and renewal. I wonder how many of us are good at having a day where we relax, where we don't do the little jobs that need doing, where we don't try and catch up with all the stuff that needs to be done, where we take a moment to do it. Uh, my wife and I recently watched this documentary uh, uh, connected with sort of living with the Amish, and there was this, uh, all these modern people uh, with all their devices suddenly went away into it, and they were saying, we get a moment to process you know, we're so bombarded by all the messages and by all the demands and by all the emails and everything else. And suddenly we come away from that. We get a moment to process and work things out. And suddenly their mental health improves. Suddenly their physical health improves because they were able to do it. And it's instituted right at the beginning when Moses leads out the Israelites. You need a moment to process. You need a moment to rest. You can't work seven days a week. You need to manage your time so you have a day off. And there's something revolutionary about that rhythm in the 21st century. It speaks to us even today. Well, after that Shabbat in 33 AD, something extraordinary happened. And you may already know what's coming. And there was a rumble. And there was a rumble, and you could feel it in your stomach. And there was a rumble in the countryside. And there was a rumble, particularly in a local graveyard, uh, just across from Jerusalem. And there was a rumble, and it started something beautiful. A stone that blocked out a rich man's tomb. You know, uh, uh, the bones would lay in there for a certain time before they were interned. And there was a stone, and it was massive, and you couldn't move it uh, uh, just by yourself. And the stone was moved, and the rumble kept on going. And that stone moved like a ball of polystyrene uh, away and opened the tomb. And two hardened Roman soldiers, these are not just temple guards. These are not the uh, uh, ceremonial people that stand 
uh, outside of important buildings. They are not uh, uh, just the thugs that uh, um, are security on the doors of uh, uh, the places in town. These were hardened soldiers. They were experienced on the field of battle. They knew what it was to kill. They knew what it was to sever. They knew what it was to draw blood. They knew the cost of what it was to win a victory. And they had probably committed all sorts of atrocities. But at this rumble, their hearts are reduced to dust. They're anxious and they appear like death. This rumble is achieving something. And in the midst of this rumble, in the midst of the stone moving, and in the midst of these veterans of war being uh, petrified, there is a heavenly being, something mysterious, something that we don't understand, something uh, that I haven't seen, something that is very difficult to explain, but the appearance of this being is there, and his appearance is shocking. They don't know how to explain it. We find the uh, uh, writers of the New Testament grappling for words, trying to grasp how to explain a heavenly being that uh, is not normally seen. And they talk about lightning and uh, uh, a radiance that burns the retinas as something unusual, something remarkable, something special, something supernatural. In that first creation narrative in Genesis, Yom Rishon, which is uh, our Sunday, it was the day when light ripped open the sky. If you have a look in Genesis 1, it talks about this light ripping open the sky and blazing over a dark and formless and empty globe. Something that was nothing, suddenly something was going to happen. And Matthew uses very deliberate language in his account of the resurrection because something is happening and it's starting again. There is a new creation coming. That first Yom Rishon when light skittered over this round uh, the globe. It's happening again. A light is coming and it is opening people's eyes and it is the renewal of all things. It is the start of all things. It is the beginning of beauty and life and hope and future. And so we look forward. We look forward through the future. We look forward because this resurrection on uh, this Sunday gives light for the rest of the future. Suddenly, nothing is darkness ahead of us. There is a remaking going on. And God will smile. And God will laugh with us. And it will be good. We're not quite there, but this is the first streams of light. That Resurrection Sunday was that first glimmer, that hope has a solid foundation. And as we look forward, as we look forward to Jesus coming again, we should be reminded that whatever chaos surrounds our life, whatever violence goes on in our day-to-day -day existence, whatever darkness and chaos seem to surround the days of our lives, there is a light that has appeared. And the fullness of the remaking of creation will happen. And uh, all the chaos 
in our lives will be shattered by the light and all the violence and anger and negativity, they will become like dead soldiers in the uh, uh, um, confrontation with Jesus. So whether it is our own reoccurring sin, that thing that we can't seem to master, whether it's the grief that touches our hearts. In a few days' time, uh, I will be in this place again where a local family will be remembering the death of a loved one. And there will be sadness and grief and there will be questions. And suddenly all the other things that occupy our hearts, suddenly they pass away when confronted with death. What are you going to make of it? It is uh, uh, an inescapable truth. Even the great philosophers uh, that dealt with existentialism, when it came down to it, it was death seemed to be the only reality that you could bank on. Everything else was transitory. Everything else was passing by. What are you going to do with death? And this resurrection of Jesus suggests that there is a, uh, a, um, a conquering of death to look forward to and enjoy. And there will be a day where everything that makes life miserable will pass away. And everything that makes life good, that will be the fullness of life. And the, G the resurrection of Jesus guarantees it. Now we've got this mysterious heavenly being that probably uh, no one here has ever encountered. But this messenger has still work to do. He isn't there just to roll a stone and frighten a couple of uh, um, soldiers. He looks directly at these two Marys. These two Marys had come looking for Jesus. They'd come looking for his body. They didn't expect him to rise again. Their hands are full of spices. They're ready to do what they have done countless times before, prepare a, bo a body for burial. They may have done it with their own kids, with the uh, uh, high rate of infant mortality. Perhaps they'd done it to their husbands. Perhaps they'd done it to their own parents. They were ready again to prepare a, uh, a body for burial, to uh, bring a certain dignity to that most undignified ending that all of us face. Now, the soldiers got a quaking. The soldiers got a light that they could not uh, uh, bear, and they got a strength that terrified them to death. But these women get a different revelation. These women had come with the spices. They had come to bring dignity to the body of Jesus, and suddenly they are greeted with something very different. The revelation of Jesus is something very unique to them. These women have come to the tomb, not because they've been ordered to by uh, a power above, but because of love. They were devoted to this uh, teacher who had taught them so wisely, who had done some amazing things, and they were coming to pay homage to his body. And they are met this morning with angelic mercy and grace. The angel comes to them and goes, yeah, I'm not here to uh, 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 bring power. I'm not here to bring earthquakes. I'm not here to drive you out of your wits. I'm here for a different purpose for you. And so the angel speaks gently. The angel speaks knowingly. I know why you've come. I know you've come here to anoint Jesus' body. I know you've come 
to pay respects to someone that you uh, thought was amazing. You don't need to worry. That funeral service, you can cancel it now. Those undertakers, you can write off whatever you've given them. You know, the church that you've booked, the coffin that you've chosen, all these different organizational elements that you have uh, put in, you can forget about them because there is something beautiful. Jesus has not just been moved. He had risen from the dead. It is a miracle. It is something that science struggles to get to grips with. It is something that these people in the first century were not accustomed to. People did not just rise from the dead. They had a lot more experience of death than you and I. We may sneer at these uh, naive, uh, uh, um, sort of superstitious people 2,000 years ago, but they knew what death was. They knew what it was to die. They knew there was no coming back from it. But these first century people encountered a risen saviour and found that death could not hold him. And then in this another another moment of gentleness, the angel invites the two Marys in and says, look, have a look where he lay. Come and see where you know the body was placed. And the two ladies, they're struggling to process it. It is not every day that they get to speak to angels. And they go inside this tomb and they see these strips of linen that would have been used to wrap Jesus' body. But they are no longer wrapped around the corpse of their teacher. They are lying there empty and useless. Peter and John would find them later, but these Marys find them first. They have yet to meet the risen Lord. They have yet to speak to a Jesus who has come back to life. But already the evidence was quite compelling. A stone miraculously rolled away. uh, An earthquake in the ground that has no explanation to absolutely petrified Roman soldiers and a being who seems to have light shining out from him and now an empty tomb. In the last 2,000 years, most of Jesus' followers haven't had that sort of evidence. We have not personally met our physically resurrected king and we have very rarely have we met an angel. But however, as we come to Jesus this morning, like these women, if we come with inquiry, you know, if we come looking for answers, if we forget that perhaps we don't know everything, if we come with humility, if we come with a sense of longing that things are not right, that there has to be an answer to this, that pain and suffering is kind of not Uh, the best way to live, that there must be something better. And we get gently invited. We get invited to take in the evidence of the resurrection. We get invited to read the eyewitness accounts in the Gospels. We get invited to meet the people that uh, um, have encountered him firsthand. We get to see the lives that he has changed. We may not have touched his wounds, but we have these clear gospel accounts that are authored by eyewitnesses and which are 
wonderfully persuasive. We may not have touched his lacerated back, but we have seen the difference he has made in Christians' lives all around us. And we may not have seen his thorn-scarred forehead, but those of us that know him have been thrilled by the Holy Spirit who touches us and exposes us and leads us in the way we should go. Jesus chose these very word, these words very deliberately um, after uh, Thomas had expressed doubt. He said this, he said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There is a heavenly blessing for those that have not seen yet have been touched and had their minds open and realised to this resurrection story. So my last point. Matthew tells us that these women were in this wonderful place of they were afraid and filled with joy. This is uh, a complicated faith. This is a faith that involves you working things out in sort of trying to get your head round some things that are understandable and some things that we will never grasp with. This faith that we have is never boring. It fills our emotions, it fills our heads, it fills our hearts. And so their brains were sifting all they witnessed, all the things that they'd seen. They were looking through all the evidence and going, can it be true? And they probably dropped those herbs and spices that they come to uh, anoint Jesus with. And their feet are skipping over the hard, dusty ground as they've been sent away by the angel. And then suddenly, they stopped in their tracks. The wild speculation, the emotional hope that is ricocheting in their souls, it is stilled. Something happens. Jesus stands in front of them. He meets them on their way home. They were going home to try and work out what on earth was happening. And Jesus stands and said, good morning. They'd seen him gruesomely, gruesomely executed. They'd seen him hung on a tree. It is a worse type of death that the Romans had devised in crucifixion. They'd seen Joseph of Arimathea uh, place that body uh, with a sense of pomp and ceremony into the tomb. This Messiah that they had so much hope for. They'd seen his death. They'd seen his burial. There was no expectation of anything more. And now he is before them. This is their Lord. This is their teacher. This is the one that someone said was uh, God's son. This is the risen one that has announced that death no longer holds sway over humanity. This is the Jesus who uh, prophets hundreds of years before had accurately said uh, uh, manifold things about his life. This is the one whom that fearsome angel had said uh, had risen again. And their response is perfect. These women who had come to dignify the body, they fall on their knees, they clasp Jesus' feet, and they burst out in worship. Their hearts are full of gratitude. Their hearts are full of wonder. They have not understood 
everything. They have not got a master's in theology. They have not got a PhD in Christology. They don't know all the ins and outs, but they have met their risen saviour and they are enjoying his company and cries of hallelujah fill their mouths and songs of adoration, I would imagine, escape into the air. This is a heartfelt, visceral appreciation of who Jesus is. And maybe, maybe, they're starting to understand what his death means for them. And so this morning, we get to eat together. And I wonder if we can pause for a moment. I wonder if we can stop thinking about all the stuff that still needs to be done. I wonder if we can pause for a moment and allow that Shabbat moment of rest and reflection. These two Marys, these two ladies who had stuck close to Jesus despite the abandonment of everyone else, these two uh, Marys who had seen Jesus crucified when all the other disciples had legged it, they love this man in front of him and he just fills their hearts. They don't love him for what they can get out of him. They don't love him for what they can, he can do for them. They love him because of who he is, because of what they've seen him achieve, because of the heart they found revealed through his words and actions. And so they lift up their voices. They lift up their arms in praise. And Jesus' response, those ladies go. Go and say to others what you have found. This is good news and you are right to enjoy it. But now's not the time to stay in that place. Go and share what you have heard and seen and felt. And so this morning, before uh, we enjoy food together, before I close the meeting and uh, uh, some of us run off to do all the things that we've planned to do for the rest of the Sunday, I invite us all to stop and wonder at the company of Jesus. We'll never encounter anyone like him. There is no one in all of human history who has uh, taught and lived a life like him. He is perfection. Where people wanted to bring violence to him, he turned open hands. When some cursed him, he took the blow. When people were outside and ostracized and excluded, he brought them in. When people were suffering, he brought relief. He is someone that we can trust, someone that we can listen to, someone that we should want more of in our lives. So we're going to do a thing that you don't do in modern society. We're going to stop and we're going to have some silence. We're going to invite you to put down your phones, put down all your to-do lists, and I want you to reflect on this encounter. I want us to reflect on our own encounter with this Jesus. If we know him, it is something that we should be able uh, uh, for 60 seconds to be able to maintain a train of thought and uh, appreciate and worship 
And if we don't know him, perhaps it takes just this moment to ask the question, are you there? Are you risen? Is this nut job up the front for real? And then, because we've got time, you can have a song. Is that all right? Could we end with a song? Excellent. So we're going to have a moment of silence, and then we'll move on to a song.